Welcome to the Nurse Becoming podcast. I'm your host, Amanda Guarneri from the Resume RX, and this is the podcast that's dedicated to empowering and encouraging nurses along your path of professional and self discovery. As a nurse practitioner, mom, and business owner, I'm on a mission to help you figure out how to leave your lasting impact on the world, all while bravely and fearlessly growing along the way. Join me for honest conversations and inspiring stories about personal and professional growth, all through the lens of nursing. Hello, welcome back to the Nurse Becoming podcast. It's your host, Amanda Guarneri. Thank you so much for being here today and listening in. This episode is going to be super relevant to you if you are a new graduate NP who has not yet taken their boards, or if you're an NP student who is eventually going to take their boards, or even if you're anyone who is going to take a board exam ever. This conversation that I had with Sarah Michelle is so amazing. Sarah Michelle owns a test preparation company. She is a nurse practitioner and she is the founder of Sarah Michelle NP Reviews. And we get into a lot of nitty gritty questions about NP board exams. But what I think is the most valuable part of this conversation is the discussion about test anxiety. And this is something that isn't talked about a ton, but Sarah's approach really incorporates not just clinical question preparation, but also preparation of your mindset and of your attitude and how to overcome test anxiety, especially if you have really high level, like panic level anxiety about tests. So If this is you, I think you are going to find this episode and interview tremendously helpful. I'll tell you, test prep has come a long way since I graduated 10 years ago. And there are some phenomenal companies out there that are really offering all sorts of different test prep options. And I'll definitely encourage you to check out Sarah's review courses. Her website is npreviews.com. We go all into it. Uh, towards the end of the episode where she shares basically where you can connect with her and learn from her. But I think that this is such a needed conversation and I'm excited for you to hear it. So let's get into the interview with Sarah Michelle. Sarah Michelle, welcome to the Nurse Becoming podcast. Thank you so much for having me, Amanda. I'm so excited to be here. Yes, it's so great to talk to you. You and I have connected uh, before over email and Instagram and stuff. And so it's really great to to talk to you and, and really get to ask you some questions about you and then also introduce your expertise to my listeners. So yeah, I'm really, I'm really excited. Yeah. Uh, I would love for you to start by telling me and telling my listeners a little bit more about who you are, what you do, and start to tell us a little bit about your nursing journey. All right. So, hey, friends, my name is Sarah Michelle, and I am the CEO and course creator for Sarah Michelle MP Reviews. So to give you a little bit of background about me, I think we have to take it back just a little bit before all this nurse practitioner stuff and go all the way back to when I was in nursing school. And so that for me was really the start of my nursing evolution into becoming an eventual nursing educator. But basically, when I was in nursing school, I was just about done when I had a faculty mentor ask me if I would like to tutor somebody. 
And I was like, sure, why not? That's not something I've ever done before, but let's just kind of see how this happens. And I have two parents that are teachers, so teaching a little bit's ingrained in me deep down. And what I found super quickly was that I love tutoring and essentially teaching, and I loved it more than anything else I'd ever done. I loved it way more than I even loved nursing school. But <laughs> And so at that point, I went from tutoring one person. I tutored her for about a month before I picked up a second person. By the end of the four months, I was tutoring 30 people and I left my full-time job. So this was like, I jumped all in because I literally just loved it so much. And I tutored really heavily until I graduated. But what I found was continuing to tutor was really tough because working night shifts in oncology is my first job. And so it really just wasn't bothering me with my schedule because I really like to be on and be present when I'm doing tutoring. I don't want to show up half asleep. And so... I was a nurse for about a year before I decided I'm just going to go ahead. I'm going to go back to school and I'm going to get my master's in nursing education because for me, like, I know this is where I'm going to end up long term. Like I had already made that decision before I'd ever really like truly got into nursing past that first year. So I got that degree. I got my first real taste of teaching by doing some clinicals for a local college and I decided at that point I was actually going to go back and get my postmaster certificate to be a family nurse practitioner. So if y'all can't tell, I absolutely love school and I absolutely love to learn. <laughs> and I always tell people the story, you know, when I signed up for nurse practitioner school, I told my husband, I was like, even if I never use this degree, it's going to make me such a better nursing educator to be able to think at this level. And so I'm just going to do it anyways and see what happens. Now, after all of that, here we are, <laughs> and I run this test prep company, which genuinely, like, I still pinch myself every day that I get to do what I love every single day. It's been an incredible journey this last year. That's so awesome. I'd love to hear more about when you graduated from NP school. Did you kind of go right into test prep? Did you work for a little bit? What did that look like, you know, before you started the business? So I graduated smack dab in the middle of COVID. So I graduated last May when I started my test prep. And so at that time, I had already had a job lined up. It was going to be a couple of months out. It was waiting for somebody to retire. So I was kind of waiting for my opportunity to pop up. But I was already teaching at that point. So I knew I wanted to teach part time and continue to do that. I wanted to be a nurse practitioner full time. And so I was like, well, while I've got this free time here, why don't I just go ahead and make this course and kind of see what happens and see if I can help those around me because I was the first person in my class to graduate. And so obviously I have perspective into the exam, but I also had the perspective of we already know this content. We already know this knowledge. We got that in school. We just have to have the confidence to be able to go into the exam kind of saying that to ourselves. And so that was how I made that first course of just can I help some people kind of dampen down some of that anxiety build up some of that confidence in what they already know and kind of see what happens. And it kind of uh, exploded overnight, to say the least. <laughs> That's awesome. You're definitely filling a need that <laughs> that people have, for sure. It can be so scary to graduate and then be told, all right, just just take this test and then you can yeah. you can be a, a real nurse practitioner. But that's that's a huge hurdle for people that I think sometimes can be downplayed in school. It's kind of like, oh, you'll you'll graduate, take your boards, and then you'll get to work. But sometimes 
I think it's easy to brush over the take your boards part. So it's great that that's something that you're focusing on specifically. So I'd love to talk about some kind of frequently asked questions when it comes to exam prep. And the first question that I had is, when do you recommend that people start studying for their board exam? I think it really depends on your anxiety level, to be honest. Now, I personally started preparing for my board exam about six months before. I bought a book. I started doing some practice questions, started getting a feel for that sort of thing. But I really feel like the bulk of your study should be in that one to three months prior to taking the test. Now, no, I said prior to taking the test, not prior to graduation, because some people will test before they graduate. Some people want to take a little bit of gap time in there. So one to three months before you plan the test, whenever that is for you, really start deep diving into this content and what that looks like for you. And you can really start to get a feel for the amount of time that you're going to need. And you give flexibility with the authorization to test as well. So if you start getting into studying, you've already got the ATT and you're ready to go, but you realize maybe you've got some deficits, you can push that out. Or if you get into studying, you're feeling really good, then you can just go ahead and push that up and go ahead and take the test and be done with it. Mm. And do you think that there is like a different way to study for every person depending on their learning and studying style? Or do you feel like there's more of like a gold standard way that everybody should study? I think it's very tailored to the individual. Like for me personally, I needed something tangible to go off of to say, hey, I'm ready to take this test. And I talk about it in my review courses. I literally did 10,000 practice questions. Like that was how I could justify to myself, like, hey, I'm really ready. I really know this content. But there are some people out there that do no practice questions whatsoever, which maybe I disagree with just a little bit. But <laughs> I think it definitely depends on the type of learner you are. I'm a very visual learner, very tactile learner. And I like having that tangible piece at the very end to be like, can I tie all this stuff together? So a lot of my courses offer a lot of different avenues of that. So you can kind of pick your feel for whatever type of learner you are. Yeah, that's great. That's a really good point. Because I just remember, I mean, this is 10 years ago for me now, but back when I was in school, we had little like study groups and yeah. and it would be so interesting just to see how kind of like similar learners flocked together. Like the the group that I was in, we hand wrote study guides mm-hmm. and then we took our color coded highlighters and, and highlighted things in a certain way. And then we did flashcards and those were color coded and it was just kind of funny to see how a totally different group would go about things differently. Yeah. So I, it's good to hear that that is a good strategy when it comes to studying for boards too, because, you know, there are a handful of board test prep companies out there. And I think that the best ones are the ones who are offering kind of diverse options, depending on how that learner is most successful for sure. And I think students can kind of make the review materials their own too. Like even if you had just like, I don't know, a written guide, you could take that. You could put that in the flashcards. You can make yourself some practice questions. You can put it up on a big whiteboard. I'm a big fan of that. I like having that color piece too. It kind of makes it stick in my brain. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great, that's a great suggestion of, you know, you can kind of pick and choose the parts that are going to work for you and then maybe even make up your your own system for studying, you know, depending on what type of learner you are. That That's really good advice. So you mentioned um, testing early, and I'd love to learn more about that. My understanding is that the ANCC exam, if you've fulfilled all the requirements to test, 
even before you've graduated, you can get that early authorization. Can you explain that a little bit more? Well, I do want to say, I feel like that's something that almost changes by the minute. Um, (laughs) With with COVID, there was a lot of craziness going on and shifting and test taking because for those of you that don't know, currently you can take ANCC at home. So you can take it on your own computer at home. You don't have to go to a testing center. That's a really nice option if it works correctly. I had a really bad experience with that. So with AAMP currently, I think that's the one that you can test early. But it continues to shift. So even though I say like today during this podcast, that is the one you can now test early with. That doesn't mean by the time this airs that they haven't changed their mind and they went back on that. I tell people just to account for testing right after graduation. Like If you get everything ready to go, go and you have everything turned in, because that's another piece of it, too. Like there are multiple pieces to that application and just one piece can hold you up. So you really need to make sure you have everything lined out, everything ready to go, everything turned in, and then you can account for maybe a couple of weeks after you graduate to go ahead and test. I tell nobody to count on testing early just because it does shift so much. Yeah, that's such a great point that it definitely wasn't an option when I tested. And in the past few years, I've heard about it. But I think to your point, I think I recommend everybody to go to the source when it comes to mm-hmm requirements and authorizations. And while there are, you know, some of us who are kind of more closer to that process than others, if we are, you know, career coaches or mentors or or test prep leaders and guides, really for those types of detailed pieces of information, definitely go to the source. So use your internet to go to the appropriate website and and both or any testing credentialing organization because they're are more depending on what boards you sit for, they'll all have the most up-to-date information on their website so that you you don't have to wonder and you don't have to uh, ask someone who may inadvertently give you updated <laughs> information. <laughs> yes. Well, you just got to be able to dig through those websites too. I mean, not all the information is going to be on the surface level. And I think that's where people get overwhelmed and confused. But if you really kind of get into those like testing handbooks and the testing outlines, they truly do give you all the details, even breaking it down into like, you know, 30% of the AAMP exam right now is frail elderly and geriatric questions. And a lot of people miss that detail altogether, but that's really important for how you study when one third of your exam is going to be about that specific age population. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. And speaking of which, this kind of age old question comes up, AANP versus ANCC, which for some of the board exams, you can choose which credentialing body to use. What is your response to that question? My gut reaction is no matter what, hands down, if you take one of these tests and you pass, you're a real deal nurse practitioner. That's it. That that is it right there. (laughs) However, (laughs) I will say just after even a previous experience with a student. So I have a student right now. She's in my life study group program and she took the AAMP five years ago and she got injured. And so she wasn't able to complete her 1000 hours. So now Mm -hmm. she's having to test again. And I can promise you 90% of the people that test never want to test again. It's almost like a scarring experience in a way. And so because of that, I really have started to prefer ANCC a little bit. Now, I don't have anything against AAP. I'm actually certified through both. But with ANCC and having those additional renewal options in the future, I think that's a really nice incentive to just go ahead and go that direction because 
There are so many things outside of practice hours that you can use, especially going back to school, which a lot of us will do to get our doctorate and doing evidence-based projects. All of that stuff counts. And so I think that's a really important point that a lot of people miss. And then I think there's almost a fear factor with ANCC because it's got the variety of exam question types. And you got drag and drop and pictures and all this extra stuff that AAMP doesn't have. But I can tell you from personal experience, like just because AAMP only has straight multiple choice questions does not mean in any capacity that it's easier. <laughs> and so don't let that misconception kind of fool you too. For me personally, like I found that ANCC having those variety of question types really broke up the monotony of a long exam. And you really want something that's going to kind of wake you back up in a sense, because 175 questions is a lot of questions to get through and maintain that steam too. Hmm. Yeah, that's that's a really great point. And just to clarify, it's ANCC that allows alternative renewal satisfying uh, requirements, right? So you're, we're saying that AANP, when you renew every five years, there will be a practice hours requirement, hours. which is a thousand hours, right? Uh, whereas ANCC allows other activities other than clinical practice hours to fulfill that. So that's a really great point, especially, you know, if you are someone who sees yourself going into academia or something where you don't necessarily feel committed or guaranteed that you're going to have those 1000 practice hours every five years. Hey there, friend. If you are a brand new nurse practitioner or an NP student nearing graduation, I have the perfect resource for you that will help you get all your ducks in a row as you get started with your job search. It's called the Nurse Practitioner Graduation Survival Guide, and you can get it totally free at my website at theresumerx.com slash npgrad. This guide will help break down the glossary of all the terms and acronyms that you will need to be applying for. Think like NPI and DEA, as well as giving you the typical timeline of everything that needs to happen before you can start working as an NP. I can't wait for you to snag this guide so you can stop worrying about everything you need to do before you can be legit. Go ahead to theresumerx.com slash NPgrad and get it for free. Can't wait to hear what you think. So let me ask you this, because I've had this question a few times, and I think I know the answer, but is there any reason other than someone who owns a test prep company to take both exams? Absolutely not. Please do not do it to yourself, <laughs> unless the only, like, there's one exception to the rule, and it's if you've taken AA and P, and you don't think you're going to meet that practice hour requirement, because you would much rather go ahead and take ANCC when you're already in that mindset of board prep and try to come back five years later and take it then. But I only did it because I had a lot of people asking me, well, are your reviews only for ANCC? Because I see you only took ANCC. But if I could go back in time, I probably just would have stuck with the ANCC. And I'm not even sure I'm going to renew my AAP in the future. Mm. And what certification do you have? Family or? Oh, I'm um, family. Yes. Family. So my next question is, in terms of your company and even kind of test prep companies in general, are these for anyone with any NP certification or do you specialize in offering just FNP test prep? 
A lot of the test prep companies will specialize in one specialty or another. And what I actually found was originally, you know, I'm family nurse practitioner. I made my reviews for family nurse practitioners, but there's a lot of overlap between family nurse practitioner and adult geriatric nurse practitioner in the primary care realm. And so I had some AGMP students start to take my reviews like, oh, wow, that was really great. That was really helpful. So for me personally, like I just separated out all the pediatric content so you could take it, whether you're AGMP or FMP. But a lot of other companies do the same. They either just do primary care, just do acute care. And you'll kind of find that as you dig through those websites, too. Mm, That's really helpful. And how do you recommend that someone really goes through that process? Like if I'm, you know, I'm entering my last semester of NP school and I know that I want to take some sort of test prep something. I'm not sure if I want like a book or an online program or a live study group. How would you recommend that I figure that out for myself? I think logistics wise, you really just want to break down what you're getting for what price. Because, you know, say, for example, there's three review courses out there. They all cost about the same X amount of dollars. Is it going to be a review that you can rewatch the videos or is a one time and done? And which of those is a better fit for you? You know, because me personally, I found that repetition was going to be really important for me. And the reviews I did, I kept going back to the hard guides I had trying to refresh myself. But I really would have liked to rewatch the videos in a sense. And then I think on top of that, you know, what are you getting extra wise outside of just that clinical content? You know, what are you going to be able to take with you moving forward? Kind of talking about that guide. I've seen a lot of nurse practitioners take the review course guide and take it right into practice with them. I think that's a really nice feel to kind of have something to hold on to. And then lastly, I definitely would want people to look at are they providing anything for your mental state along the way? And I know that might sound kind of like a bizarre one, but finishing up nurse practitioner school, getting into test prep can really take a toll on your mind and your body. And so you really want a review that kind of looks at that as well and really addresses all the arenas of test prep outside of just that content. And then I think most importantly, outside of bang for your buck is going to be reviews and testimonials. So, How are people feeling after doing this review? Because it's really normal to be anxious because this test is massive, like your career is kind of riding on it a little bit. But are those who are doing this review feeling like they've built up some confidence? Do they feel like they know their stuff? Because if people are in that like sheer panic mode after completing a review, they're still in that state of overwhelm that review didn't really accomplish what they were hoping for and also what they needed to be able to walk into the exam and feel good about the exam. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I think that's really important. And I don't hear that really talked about as much. And I'd love to hear more about what you have to say about the mental and emotional support or the mindset support when it comes to test prep. So what type of wisdom do you have for someone who is going to get ready for this process? Like where else should they be supporting themselves or be seeking support? I always tell students, literally every last one of my students is in every one of my courses. So even if you just buy one, you still get this nugget. Knowing the clinical content is half the battle to passing your exam, but managing your anxiety and your emotions is the other half of passing the exam. And so you really have to look at where are you at on that scale? Are you kind of in normal exam day jitters, like I'm doing all right, like I'm nervous, but this is normal nervous because I'm taking a big exam. Or are you in that panic level anxiety of like, 
oh my gosh, I can't breathe. I don't know what I'm doing, kind of going spiraling into that realm, because those are two totally different conversations. And I think if you're in that panic level realm, which I kind of was when I took my exam, because I was just, you know, like I said, this is big, you really have to start looking at some of those alternative options. So for me personally, I did a couple of things. I like to meditate. I actually meditated during my exam. I took breaks after every hard question. So I wouldn't get flustered for that next question. And I also took a beta blocker on exam day just to kind of fatigue myself out. Because when you're so ants like that, that beta blocker just kind of brings you back down to the real world in a sense. And obviously medication is not going to be for everybody. And I'm not giving any medical advice, but it's something to explore to see if that could be the thing that switches over and changes the exam for you. Because I actually had a student on my page, she had failed three times, but I knew she knew her content. Like we would talk, we would have conversations. Like I just knew she knew her content. She took a beta blocker for that fourth time, did all of my review course programs and passed no problem. I think she ended up getting like a 90% on the AAMP or something. Wow. crazy. So I knew she knew it. She just had to be able to calm down enough to really put that into use and being able to recognize that for yourself. And I think even on top of that too, self-care leading up to the exam, you know, as nurse practitioners and nurses, we're so used to serving others all the time that we kind of get lost in the self-care a little bit. And so that would be a really great time to kind of pick some of those things back up. You know, I got a massage the day before my exam. I tried to chill out, not do any more practice questions, like enough was enough sort of deal. Yeah, I think that's such a great point. And it sounds very similar to the advice that I give to people who are interviewing, you know, in terms of you're essentially gearing up for some sort of performance, right? Whether you're taking a test or whether you are going for an interview or, you know, I learned this because I have a background as a classical violinist before I became a nurse. So I really got into finding a ritual that helped me calm down 24 hours before you know, the performance and through right before and until it was over. So like for me, it was a massage the day before, um, eating a banana. I found that eating a banana had like a beta blocker effect for me. Someone told it to me once and I don't know if it's placebo or true, <laughs> um, but it always really helped. And even still, like I uh, sometimes when I do speaking events, even if it's just on Zoom, like I'll have some essential oils or some sort of calming sensory experience to help calm down. And and I think that's such a great point that, you know, you can know your content like the back of your hand. And same thing with interviews. You can know yourself and know your answers like the back of your hand, but you have to be able to get into that headspace and into that, yeah, kind of like Zen place where you can overcome any of those emotions that are going to really sabotage your performance. And it's easier said than done, of course. So I wonder, would anyone have any clues or what would be the clues that someone might suffer from, you know, test anxiety or something that's going to affect their performance? Like, are these typically individuals who have experienced similar feelings with with other exams? I find that if you failed your NCLEX the first time, you're really ramped up about taking your nurse Mm -hmm. practitioner exam. I won't say you have PTSD, but it kind of, it feels that way. Those same emotions are there. And I think it also kind of shows in how much you're doing to prepare as well. So for me to say I did 2,000 practice questions, that should be an automatic red flag for people. Like I was very, very anxious. Like I was like over the top anxious. 
And I think people just need to look introspectively at themselves. Like, can you think about the exam and be okay with knowing you're going to take this exam? Or can you literally not breathe? Do you feel like you're going to tear up? Like, are you getting into kind of this ball of emotion? Because you really need to untangle that ball before you ever walk in the door. Because like we've talked about, you know, you can know it all day long, but if you can't execute it, then there's really no point going to take that test in the first place. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So definitely highly recommend that people figure out some sort of centering practice or or method to be able to get out of those feelings in the moment, whether it's meditating, whether it's doing like a grounding exercise in the moment, or I don't know if you're familiar with uh, EFT, which is emotional freedom technique, also known as tapping. That's something that can be really, really helpful for all sorts of different things. And and these are things that you can take with you, right? Like, so you can be in the middle of your exam and close your eyes and meditate or do a tapping sequence or do a five, four, three, two, one grounding exercise. So I think it's really great that we're, you know, bringing up this side of things because like you said, it's so super important and as important as, as the test content itself, for sure. And along with tapping, too, I don't know if anyone's ever heard of havening, but you can literally just rub your hands together and do havening or kind of run up and down your arms. And that was something, ironically, I was taught about three weeks before my exam. And it was definitely something I heavily relied on during my exam. Or even last weekend, I had to speak in front of a crowd. And you got to think, you know, COVID, it's been a year since I've been in front of a crowd. And when I watched the video back, I was up there havening and I didn't even realize I was doing it at the time. And another thing that I really enjoyed doing during my exam when I felt like I was getting flustered or amped was brain dumping to kind of give myself once again something tangible of look how much I know about sickle cell anemia, for example. So Mm. can I use any of this information I've kind of brain dumped out because I'm a little stressed to now go and utilize it for this question? And that little confidence boost was sometimes all I needed just to be able to get through and kind of work my way through the questions. Yeah, that's great. That's awesome. So I'm hoping that you can share with us kind of some common mistakes that people make when either studying for boards or taking the exam. And I have I have just one recommendation that I've made for 10 years, which I'll, I'll give my input after the fact, <laughs> um, but I'd love to hear your thoughts. Number one, buying too many reviews because it's a surefire way to confuse yourself because now you bought seven reviews. Where do I even start? Do I start with the content first? Do I start with the questions? Do I print this? I think people get really lost instead of just buying one or two programs to really dedicate yourself to and work through those piece by piece instead of taking little pieces of all these different reviews. And what you're going to find, too, is sometimes reviews contradict each other. And that kind of goes into the second thing of buying outdated material. And so not every review program, especially books, my goodness, books, because, you know, you got to think books are printed. It's hard to keep that up to date all the time. And so then you end up in this state of confusion and overwhelm once again, because you bought seven reviews, things are contradicting one another. How do I know what to study? But at the end of the day, the exam is not going to ask you about the gray area. It's going to ask you about something that's very black and white. So like if the cutoff age in one review book is 50 and the cutoff in another review book is 55, then the person on the exam is probably going to be 60 and meet both of those. Mm. And then I think 
other than that, biggest mistakes people make, kind of tying back to what we were already talking about just a little bit, is just not addressing that anxiety before exam day. Because every time a student fails and they end up on my page, because that's always like the process. So someone fails, they're like, oh my gosh, what can I do in this moment to fix this? So a friend's like, okay, come join Sarah's page, message Sarah, whatever that looks like. Whenever I start talking to them and I make sure they're okay, because I always like to start there. I'm like, do you feel like you didn't know the content or do you feel like you got so anxious that you weren't able to do it? 95% mm-hmm. of the time, it's never someone that says they were underprepared. They just say they got flustered. And I literally, I had a student one time and she's like, I got to question three and I couldn't even read it anymore because I was just so anxious and so worked up. Wow. And I'm like, that's panic level anxiety. We can work on that. So you can continue to review and build up your clinical content. But that really needs to be your main focus moving forward before we ever take this test again. So to kind of reiterate, please don't buy too many reviews. You're just going to confuse yourself. Please don't buy outdated material that drives my students crazy. I know everybody's trying to save a dollar, save a buck, buy an old book. I promise it's not going to be worth your time. And then number three, definitely please address your anxiety before you ever get to your exam day. Yeah, those are excellent, excellent tips. The one tip that I used that I think was really helpful on test day itself was with every question, I would sit on my hands. I took my hands, I put them under my under my thighs after I had clicked over to the next question, and I read the question twice before I even read the answers. So those were just like two little things that were super helpful because I'm someone who can get a little click happy with the mouse, and I usually ended up going with my first instinct, but... I at least had the time to make the decision in my head before I had any reaction with my hand. So you, clearly I am not a test prep expert because that's all I have. <laughs> that's all yeah, I have for recommendation. At least you're not choosing that superficial answer choice because you're holding your hands down, you're ready to go. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. So this has been so great, Sarah. Tell the fine folks listening where they can find you or connect with you if they are you know, in the market for test prep or want to know more? All you have to do is go to www.mpreviews, with an S by the way, .com. And from there, you can join our Facebook community, which has 11,000 students in it. We're all supporting one another. We've got definite community there of we're going to do this. We're building each other up. There's no negativity there, which is super important to me. And on the same website, you can look at all of my course options. And once you actually get into the Facebook community, you can message me, you can message my team, and we can kind of talk through some of these things as well. And then if Facebook isn't really your jam, you can always email me too at sarahmichellemp at gmail.com. I am taking notes because all these links and things will be in our show notes. And Sarah, thank you so much for sharing your wisdom. This has been really fun. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Well, that does it for today. Thank you so much for tuning in and making it all the way to the end. If you found today's episode helpful, would you take a minute and give me a rating or review on Apple Podcasts? It will truly help other nurses find this show and know that it's worth listening to. For more information about this episode, as well as a place to submit your questions or suggestions for future episodes or guests, head to nursebecoming.com. I cannot wait to connect with you again soon. And until next time, remember, I am always rooting for you.